0: All righty, it's that time now. Why don't we get ready? Why don't we welcome Joanne Cole to the stage? Awesome. Here so we are. We are so pleased to have her here. And let me just pray for what she's about to deliver. So, Lord, we just come before you tonight, God, and we just thank you for what you are doing here in us. We thank you, God, for your servant, Joanne. Lord, we just pray that every word that would proceed from her mouth, God, would be sent from you. And Lord, I pray right now, God, that the words that she would speak forth would, would divert and break divorces that would possibly happen in the future, Lord. That the wisdom that she would impart would be used for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, Lord. And so we just seek you for that. We seek that she would be your hands and feet, Lord, your voice tonight, God. And so we just lift her to you and ask for just all your fullness to come through her tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
1: Amen. Good evening. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. You're a good-looking group. I have to be totally honest, right? You guys are transparent, right? That's what I hear. Your generation, you put it all out there. When Stephanie called and asked me, I was honored and flattered, but I was wondering if you had like a quota to fill or something, middle-aged, white woman. That's not funny? Okay, I thought it was. Um. Sorry, but I don't see anyone else in this room my age, and I'm not even an American citizen. I didn't know what it meant, but I was just honored, and the Lord reminded me that after 30 years of marriage and raising four kids, I have four children, and they're all in their 20s, that I had learned some things along the way that maybe I could share. So I just want to say thank you for your invitation and for your attentiveness, attentiveness tonight And my second oldest is here, my son, Luke. And um, I was asking Stephanie, she was at my house, how long I should go. And she's like, oh, 30, 40 minutes. And as soon as she walked out the door, he said, do not go more than 25 minutes. So I will be finished at 5 after 8. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. I came here in the summer of what was the fall of 1979. I was born in the eastern part of Canada, and I came here to go to school. And I met my husband, Randy, shortly after I arrived. Well, he wasn't my husband then, but I met Randy Cole shortly after I arrived. And we had our very first date November 1st. We were engaged before Christmas, and we got married in March. If any of my children ever did that, I would kill them. (laughs) So that is not the way you do it, because guess what? There were some difficult seasons in there. We didn't really know one another that well. And so if I could give you one point tonight, it would be take time. Take time. But God is faithful. How many of you know that he's faithful? He honors our commitments. And I'm married to the most amazing man. He's a man of integrity and honor, and he is faithful and loyal. And he was God's choice for me, and I'm so grateful for him. But there were some times in there that were a little bit rough, the honeymoon, uh, it wasn't exactly what I thought. Um, Randy loves to ski, and I don't ski. But his dad thought, well, it would be fun to go to Park City, Utah. Great. And so it was kind of strap on the skis, and I'll see at the bottom, hun. And that was basically how I spent my honeymoon. Uh, we did, you know, spend some time in our room. And again, I had this fantasy about what it was going to be like. We were going to make love all night long over and over and over, and it was like, oh, that was fun. Where's the wheat thins and the remote control? So, um, yeah. So, sorry, honey. I'm sorry. You should never talk about it in front of your kids. It's kind of gross. Yeah, I'm not going to go there tonight, I promise. So, it was difficult. And one of the reasons we got married in March was Randy's parents were taking a trip to the Holy Land. Glenn and Mary Ann pastored Capitol at the time. Rick and Kathy had just got married, and they were going on the Holy Land trip. And it was like, well, if you guys get married, you can go on the trip. We're like, okay, awesome. You know, we can be roommates on the Holy Land trip. And it was bad. I mean, we were newlyweds. We didn't really know one another that well. I was emotional, birth control, just everything. I had my feelings hurt every time I turned around I was weepy, we got sick, you know, the water, and it was just, it was not good. We we actually gave ourselves nicknames that trip, Moo Moo and Poo Poo, so you can go from there. Okay, so um, anyway, on this trip, as I was difficult, and my husband's so sweet, if you know Randy, he's real easygoing, uh, an Arab man offered him 100 camels for me early in the trip. And my husband, being just gracious, was, oh, what a nice offer. Of course I'd never accept 100 camels from my wife. And then at the end of the trip, he discovered that 100 camels, well, they're worth about $1,000 apiece, and I know that he regretted for years not taking that Arab man up on that offer. But I'm so grateful today that he didn't leave me there in the Holy Land that he brought me home, and we have aged together, 30 years. And, you know, there's getting old, I, I don't really think about it that much, except when I look in the mirror and it's like, whoa, who is that? Um, no, it's serious, you guys. You still kind of feel the same inside, and you walk by, and you see, like, this middle-aged person. It's true, and you wonder who that is. But some things, there are some benefits to old age. Kidnappers are not very interested in me. In a hostage situation, I'm always released first. (laughs) No one expects me to run anywhere. There's nothing left for me to learn the hard way. That's actually not true. And you quit trying to hold your stomach in no matter who walks in the room. And uh, long shirt, you notice that. Okay, your secrets are safe with your friends because they can't remember them either. (laughs) And it is a little bit scary. I actually walked back into my office on Tuesday morning right before WoW started, and I I was there on a mission to get something, and I stood there for about three minutes, and I had no idea why I was there. I knew there was a reason. When I walked back into the chapel and it was silent, I knew that I'd gone to get a CD for worship music. It's bad, and you cannot conjure that thought up. So there are some negatives about getting old, but I'm blessed. Thirty years, four amazing kids. One of them is married, my oldest son, Caleb, who's 28. I don't know if they have a family photo. They were going to maybe try to grab one. But um, Caleb's a tall one on this side. He's 28, and that's his wife, Chrissy. And he went away when he was 18 years old. And when he graduated from college, he was single and debt-free, and so he went to grad school. And he was still single and debt-free after grad school, so he took a position in Massachusetts, and that young woman next to him um, they've been married for a year in September. Her name is Chrissy, and they actually went on a blind date years ago. And I remember her being in my home, and I said to my husband, that is a girl for Caleb. And seven years later, he married her. I had tried to tell him all along, but anyway, and then next to Caleb is Luke. Luke, raise your hand, honey. I love you so much. And he's 27, and then you see my handsome man right there. Mm-hmm. That's Randy. And then my two beautiful daughters, Caitlin the Blonde, who's a senior. She's going to graduate from nursing school um, in just a few short months. And she's in Taiwan right now on a month's missions trip, actually working in a hospital. And then Britain next to her, some of you may know her from leading worship here at Identic. And she's in grad school in Seattle. And I, my kids, I tell them that, you know, we're made up of physical, emotional, mental and spiritual. We're beings, different components. And when I'm old, Caleb's a preacher, a pastor, and he's going to take care of me spiritually. Luke is a business major, and he's going to take care of me financially. Kate is a nurse. She's going to take care of this aging body. And Britain is a psychology major, and she's going to take care of this feeble mind. So I have it pretty much all the bases covered. Um, It wasn't intentional. Matter of fact, I don't think I ever even wanted kids. I never even thought about it. I was a tomboy. I never even thought about getting married. Isn't that interesting how God works in our lives? But I'm so grateful. So 30 years. You guys are young. You have all of your lives ahead of you. You will make a lot of decisions in life, but you will make three major ones. You all know what they are. Who will you serve? And you're here tonight, so I'm assuming you've chosen to serve Jesus. Number two. What will be your vocation, your career? How will you make a living? What will you do? And thirdly, will you get married, and if you do, to whom? And so that's what this series is about, correct, dating, relationships, marriage, and love. And my understanding is the first week, Cole talked about marriage. Is that correct? Second week, Eric and Camille, such a cute couple. And I loved what it said on your Epic Life page that they're, excitedly optimistic about marriage. What a great example you guys are. That's awesome. And they spoke about dating, and I know they addressed men and women. So there were two topics left, really relationships, and I think sex was up there, and I know I definitely couldn't speak on that. Um, Again, you know, just by virtue of my age, uh, that would be totally inappropriate. So that left me with relationships, And so what I want to tell you tonight, if you write anything down, it's this. We all want relationships in our lives that are healthy and whole and vibrant and alive. But if this relationship right here is not what it should be, it doesn't matter. These will never be successful. When your relationship, your vertical relationship with God is whole and it is well and you know him intimately and he speaks to you, it will be a natural outflow for you to be successful in other avenues in other relationships in life. Relationships, though they're different, they share the same components. Think of what you need to put into a relationship, time, energy, resources, Those C words, communication, commitment, care, concern. Be people of character. Make wise choices. Be content. Be courageous. Be controlled. Self-controlled. When I was pulling up, I I had a thought about something that one of my boys said. uh, Because I'm thinking that you make all these decisions when you're young. And you know that as you grow and you age, you gain wisdom and maturity and judgment. And so you guys have so many decisions to make when you're so young, decisions that are so pivotal to the direction that your life will go. But I know that's part of God's design because relationships, marriage, love is his design. Everything he designs is good. Unfortunately, you and I are the ones that do the dating and the marrying, and that's where things get messed up as we're involved. But when I was pulling up, I was thinking about early in our marriage not being prepared or knowing what I was doing. You know, trying to have it all together. Wife, I had these two little boys, and we were running late. We were the youth pastors. You're always late. We are running late, and we pull into the parking lot, and the two little boys, they're probably three, two and a half, three, four. They're buckled in the back seat, 16 months apart. And my oldest son said, Dad, what the hell are you doing? And my husband was like, you know, and we stopped the car and he threw it into park and we looked at one another and he turned around and he said, Caleb, what did you just say? And he said, I said, What the hell are you doing? <laughs> and I have to tell you right there, I knew that I was a failure as a mother. I had done everything to, to protect these boys, keep them pure. They couldn't watch Smurfs. How many of you know what Smurfs were those little blue people that cast spells? It was evil, demonic from the pit of hell. I did everything, they didn't trick or treat. And they were using profanity in the back seat of my car. Caleb's still speaking words, but now they're words of life. But fortunately, we didn't take all the advice of the growing kids God's way. He did not get a beating for that, or his mouth washed out with soap. We laughed all the way into the church, not so he could see us. We had no idea where he'd heard that. It had to have been preschool. But I was reminded, <laughs> I was reminded, I have no idea what No matter what I do, God, I need your help. So you guys, just for his wisdom, his discernment, his help in all that you do, so that this relationship would be right. And then out of that will flow health in other relationships. My husband says this, success in marriage is not just about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. So I want to tell you that dating relationships are not just about finding a good person to date. It's about becoming a good person to date. Why do we so often look out there? Well, I wonder if that would work. How about we look this way? Am I a good person to date? Am I a woman or a man of character and integrity? Would I bring life to someone else? Be a good person to date. I'm really not going to talk about dating relationships that much tonight, because I think you got some excellent tips last night, but what I want to talk to you about is you. And I'm going to take just the next 10 minutes to ask you some questions, really just points to ponder. You're smart kids. You have your whole lives in front of you. But I know that God wants us to think, and he wants us to inquire, and he wants us to examine. Are you living life fully in this season that he has you? Proverbs 139 says that all your days were ordained before they were even written in the book. That you were fearfully and wonderfully made. He saw this moment. He knows exactly where you are in life in every detail. Are you embracing this season and living it fully? I'm assuming most of you in this room are single. Is that correct? Yeah, you are in this season because God has ordained you to be a single person at this season. How are you utilizing this time? We often want to be somewhere we're not, be something we're not, have something we don't have. I can't tell you the women that I talk to that want to be married and we pray, and then a few years later they come into my office, they need counseling because they're married and they don't want to be married anymore. What is it about people? We're always looking behind us, ahead of us, and I'm telling you to look at this season right now that God has you in. What is in your hand? What has he called you to do? Who does he want you to be? This is a season when you don't have to focus on a family or another person. You can focus on your own personal growth, and I want to challenge you to do that. If you can figure out some things now, you won't have to do it in the middle of a marriage relationship. You won't have to do it while you're raising a family. How much easier to do that now alone? I want to encourage you to use this season. God has ordained this. You know, I, we went to a really nice restaurant this weekend. I knew what was coming for dessert, and it's absolutely one of my favorites. But by the time I had hors d'oeuvres and bread and the entree, I was really kind of full And I ate probably a third of that dessert. I just could not eat one more bite. I didn't enjoy my entree like I should have because I was thinking about that banana cream pie. And do you know what? About two hours later, I would have given anything for that piece of banana cream pie that I left half eaten on my plate. But we can't be thinking about that or that. What's in your hand? Who's God called you to be? Are you living in this season? Secondly, Is God's approval in your life enough? Is God's approval enough? We all have the God-given need and the desire to have approval and acceptance. But if we base our approval on man's ever-changing opinions that are unreliable and undependable, we won't be good enough. You may feel insignificant. Am I the only person that's ever felt insignificant? Untalented? Not gifted? Sometimes wondering who I am, what I'm doing here? But we base our value on who God says we are, not on who man says we are. Can I tell you, if you base your value and worth on the opinion of someone else, not only will you be disappointed and let down, but so will they, because you will never meet the expectations of everyone in your life. There's absolutely no way someone will be disappointed with what you said, what you did, what you, with what you wore in some way. I've chosen in these years of my life to let selective disappointment operate, knowing that someone's always going to be a little unhappy, and you know what? God, if you approve... I'm going to go forward with that. And that's okay. That's, I can't worry about everybody around me. I'm going to worry about what you say and who you want me to be. Ladies, I want to tell you today that you have immense value and worth. And we walk through this life, and we are bombarded by images about what we should look like, and it's overwhelming. I know about approval. Approval. I was a really ugly kid. Well, my mom thought I was cute. My dad, too, I think. But I learned really young that attention and approval didn't come my way. There were certain girls that got a lot of it. I didn't. But around fifth grade, I realized that if I could perform, I would get approval. And so I began to work really hard at some things. School, got approval from my parents, my teachers. Athletics, got approval from peers and coaches. And so I began kind of on a journey of living a performance-based life. Now, when I married my husband, I married into a really big family. You know my family. My mother-in-law is probably the most beautiful, precious, sweet, wonderful, kind woman you will ever meet. I have the most amazing in laws in the world. I will never be Marianne Cole. My sister in law is about this big, but you know that package is huge. She's the most fun, outgoing, gregarious, amazing woman. And I came along. Canadian, didn't grow up in the ministry, grew up in church, but I didn't want to be a pastor's wife. They all looked really depressed. Seriously, I handed all my clothes down to their kids, and they looked really sad all the time. I didn't want to be a pastor's wife. I mean, why would, I don't know, I just didn't. I mean, I loved them, but it isn't, was not anything I aspired to be. And suddenly I realized that, guess what? I'm really driven by performance and approval, but I, I can't get approval. Look at, look at the company I'm in. And so there were a few years there where I worked really hard to do everything, thinking that somehow people would approve. And I'm sure some did, but there were lots that didn't. So guess what? I came to a a little bit of a crisis in my life. and walked through a season where I said to God, this obviously isn't working so well. So right now all I can do is seek your approval. Please show me who I'm supposed to be and where I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to conduct myself. Ask him. And be yourself, your authentic self, not who you think you should be, but who you are. That's what I had to learn. Girls, be yourself. Just be who you are. Now, that does not mean that you don't work hard to be the best version of yourself. But be yourself. If you're more quiet and introspective, don't compete with that loud, outgoing, girl, you're never going to be here, her. Just be yourself. And don't forget your value and worth and your identity in Christ is what makes you worthy. He says that you are a treasured possession. Guys, that's what he says about you, that he loves you, that he has plans to prosper you and bless you. Do not forget your worth. Be yourself. Don't base your decisions and your life on the expectations of others. Thirdly, sorry I got a little bogged down in that, but thirdly, are you willing to wait for God? Are you willing to wait for him? You know, we live in a society that's so fast-paced, and we get everything immediately, immediate gratification, and sometimes God requires that we wait. Whether it's for a relationship or a mate, or maybe it's just for a plan that he has for us that he is not ready to unfold. Are you willing to wait for him? David was anointed as a young man, to be the king over Israel. Do you know that was 16 years after Samuel anointed him before he was pronounced the king of Israel? 16 years from the anointing to the coronation. That's a long time. He was running and hiding and fighting. I'm sure there were times he became weary, and he even wondered if that crown still belonged to him. And I want to tell you that God has a promise for your life and he has a calling on your life and he is begging you to live a call, live a life worthy of the call that he has. But you may have to wait. And it is in those waiting seasons that he can grow us and shape us and form us into the men and the women that he's destined us to be. Are you willing to wait for him? It may not be tomorrow. His plan may not unfold next week. It may be a journey. You may be in a job. You don't even know why you're there. You may be in a situation with friends. You don't know what is going on. And God is saying, wait. This is a season I have for you. And if you are willing to wait and to walk with me, I will unfold my plan. We've been studying the wilderness in our women's Bible study. You know, we always think of it as being a punishment for them, but do you know that God intentionally took them that way? They could have made that trip in 11 days when they were delivered out of Egypt. They weren't ready. He said, if they go this way, they're going to meet the Philistines. There's going to be a battle, and they're going to be discouraged and want to go back to Egypt, so I'm going to take them the long way. Now, yes, they're Disobedience and their grumbling and their mumbling did result in them wandering for 40 years around an oasis. You know, sometimes things aren't that bad, and we can just wander around it, around and around, and there's something else that God has. Are you willing to wait? If you are in the desert, if it's desolate and dry, let me tell you that you will see glimpses of Him along the way. And it's by design that you're in that season. Are you restless? Are you bored? Are you angry? Are you anxious? Are you discouraged? Do you sometimes wonder if God has forgotten about you? Hey, God, remember that dream we had? Remember that dream you deposited in my heart? I've tried to nurture it and nourish it, but I don't see anything happening. Have you forgotten? No. It's not time yet. It's not time. Be patient. Is he worth waiting for? Yeah, I think he is. You may be in a waiting period. I want to encourage you to hang on to those promises that he has deposited in you. Don't lose sight of them. Fourthly, is your spirit strong and sweet, or have you allowed the waters of your life to become diluted and bitter? It's so easy for us, just because of circumstances and the way life goes, to allow ourselves to become bitter. And there's two additives that cause the waters of our spirit to be bitter, and the first one is resentment, and the second one is unforgiveness. Some of you walk through some things, and they've been painful and they've hurt, and you know what? You're a little angry, and a little bit resentful, maybe towards someone else, maybe even towards God, for allowing it or not protecting you, thinking that somehow it could have looked different. I want to tell you that God has a plan for your life, and nothing anyone has ever done to you or there isn't anything that has happened to you that negates that plan that he has. No choice you've made, no choice another's made. That plan is still there. And there's only one, you know, sometimes we just, we can walk through life thinking, if, if that hadn't happened to me, it would be different. If she hadn't have done that, if, 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 if only, how different would it be? I want to tell you tonight that there's only one person that can sabotage your future and God's plan for your life, and that's you. Nobody else has that power. God's will is not fragile, guys. It is not fragile. You have power over your destiny. Unforgiveness, we've all walked through seasons of hurt and pain. Every single one of us, you probably or maybe Haven't gone through as many as, say, someone my age because there have been a lot more years, a lot more opportunities. But we need to release people and situations, and we need to move on. I don't know what's happened to you or what hasn't happened to you. Maybe it's just a friend who wounded you, and you just cannot let go. Maybe it's that guy that dumped you. My husband told me that last night they talked in Bible study about the wound, uh, the father wound, and he said it was interesting. There was a guy at the table who said, I had an amazing father and I had an amazing family, and every wound I've ever experienced in life has come at the hands of a woman. Wow. So I don't know what they look like, but forgiveness is incumbent upon you, and it will set you free. Number 5 have you established healthy healthy boundaries in your life and are you committed to enforcing them you know if we establish boundaries and we don't enforce them i'd encourage you not to even waste your time boundaries are to be erected to protect the person who establishes them and to keep out the enemy or your boyfriend <laughs> or your girlfriend Or maybe just a friend. Boundaries in relationships, in friendships. Do you know that not everyone is a confidant? You are not supposed to tell your innermost feelings and thoughts to just anyone. Do you know that Jesus modeled relationship? He had relationship with the multitudes. He had relationship with the 72. He had relationship with the 12. And out of those 12, there were three that he loved. But there were times he couldn't even talk to them. There were things that were reserved for the Father only. Ask God for the courage and the determination to set up boundaries in your life and then be a radical enforcer of them. Safe friendships. Safe people. I'm going to take just a minute. I know I'm running a little bit over. But guys, I want to talk to you for a minute. If you date or court a girl, treat her with dignity, treat her with respect, treat her with honor. And I tell you something that really bugs me. It's when I hear people, men, and I hear women say it too, that, oh, it's really all up to the girl. You know, guys are guys, and the girl, it's really up to her whether something physical happens. She's got to be the one that says no. That's a load of crap. Excuse me, Luke. Sorry. But what a lame excuse. It's up to the girl? No. You be men. You step up. You have some self-control. Let's see you exhibit some honor and some character. And one day... You're going to stand and you're going to look into the eyes of a five-year-old girl and the thoughts of a man violating her emotionally, mentally, or physically are going to drive you crazy. And I want you, if you date a young woman, you treat her like you would want a man to treat your daughter. Thanks, guys. Be a man. Yeah, God created you a certain way, but he also gave you self-control. What are the fruits of the spirit or the fruit of the spirit? Self-control. Ladies, let me tell you something, something that really bugs me. I hear you say, that's all guys ever think about. All guys are the same. I don't even want to date Christian guys because they all are the same. They just want to, you know, you know. Well, you know what? When you're walking around and your boobs are in their face, yeah, that is what they're thinking. Sorry, but come on. I want to encourage you and challenge you to exercise modesty. If it's, my mom used to tell me, if it's too short, too tight, or too low, you can't wear it. But guess what? That is subjective. What is too low to me may not be too low to you or high or whatever. Modesty. When you leave the house, ask God for wisdom. Will I cause a king to stumble today? Now, some guys are going to stumble no matter what you wear. You can wear a burqa and they're still going to stumble, and that's their issue. Okay? That is their issue. But the thing is, you're good with him, you're good with God. You've asked him, is this appropriate? And girls, I look around, look at you. Well, you're all tastefully dressed. And I'm probably preaching to the choir. You're like, what? Have you seen those girls in 1115 service? You know? Actually, I have. And um, that's why my son sits with me. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. But exercise some modesty. Guys, band, why don't you come on up? Now, that being said, as you establish healthy and good boundaries in your life, Let me say that no matter how far we have walked outside of those boundaries, God's grace is enough. It can reach beyond no matter where you've been, what you've done, who you've done it with, it's enough. He can bring you back, and guess what? Today is a new day, and it starts now. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when Pastor Rick said that he had never, um, what did he say? He had never smoked or ne- he had never done drugs. Do you, were you in the service when he said that? He said, never gotten drunk. And then he also, in our service, he said, I never, you know, smoked marijuana. He goes, now my brother, that's another story. So Randy's sitting on the front row and he's like, ha, yeah, that's funny, Rick. And Rick goes, and then I think he felt kind of bad because actually, I'm not sure that he did, and right? Randy's like, liar. <laughs> he knew exactly what he had done. And um, anyway, he got a lot of teasing, text messages um, from people, and his standard response was, I didn't inhale. <laughs> Another lie. Um, okay. But it occurred to me as I was studying for this point that my husband smoked dope, but he's not a dope smoker. You may have slept with guys, girls, but that doesn't mean you're a girl that sleeps with guys. We can't look back because we can't do anything to change where we've been or what we've done, but we can look forward and be who God wants us to be. And I told my husband I wouldn't throw him under the bus, so I smoked dope too. <laughs> Just confessing. I said, honey, I'm going to tell this story. And he goes, well, are you going to tell yours? I said, okay, yeah, I smoked pot. Actually, I preferred hash, but anyway. Um, so, yeah, the women's ministries director has got issues. No, I'm not a dope smoker. I've smoked dope, but I'm not a dope smoker you guys see the difference? There's a huge difference. My past, what I've done doesn't define me. I define me. I have the power over who I am and where I'm going. A couple months ago, we were singing, doing a worship set after a women's event, and we were singing this song. It's really simple. Surround me, O Lord. Surround me, O Lord. Surround me, O Lord. Let your presence fill this place. And I love that song because I just think of his presence just filling the place and encompassing me. And it was a particularly dry, desolate season in my life. Any of you ever have any of those where he seems really far away and you wonder where he is? And as I was worshiping, I felt like the Lord said, let my presence fill this place. Let it fill this place. He has designed you with a place that is destined only for him. No woman will ever fill it, guys. No man will ever fill that void. It is a place that God has designed for his himself. So I want us to sing that song, but before we do, I was thinking about those questions. And if any of them resonated with you, I know we're all going to stand a minute, but I want you to stand when I read them so I can pray for you. Are you living fully in this season that God has planted you? Are you contented? Are you living passionately and fully? Even though you don't necessarily understand why you're in this season, you're living fully for him. Is God's approval in your life enough? Regardless of what others think or say, all you seek is His approval. Is your spirit sweet? And are you willing to wait for Him? And have you established healthy boundaries in your life? And have you determined to be a man or a woman? That is a strict enforcer of them, of those boundaries. Why don't we stand tonight and sing that song? It's very simple. It says, surround me, O Lord. Surround me, O Lord. Let your presence fill this place. And we know that he is here tonight. But let's ask him to fill this place, that we would be men and women that walk out relationship with God first and foremost. And out of that healthy relationship, we walk in health with others in our life. around we ask that you would fill us with your presence that you would grow us and you would develop us and you would mature us and you would raise us into an army of men and women that would be committed wholly to serving you that we would choose to walk a higher road God we would never settle for mediocrity but we would choose to walk a higher road that we would be men and women of honor and character, that we would know your word, that it would be on our lips, and that we would honor all of the relationships in our lives, friendships, romantic relationships, parents, every relationship in life. Give us the strength to make it healthy, to walk it out the way that you have designed, God. We love you so much. We worship you tonight. We thank you that you speak to us.